Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes, and we appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. The book of Romans chapter 1 is where we are, and I want to share with you uh, that, you know, I, I, you know, as a child, I, I was like a lot of little kids. I enjoyed going to the movies. I, I remember uh, going to see Star Wars in the movie theater when it first came out, and it just blowing my mind. And I remember uh, going to see a lot of other movies like Indiana Jones and and all that kind of thing. And uh, I, when I was young, though, I didn't have an appreciation for reading books the way I do now. I love to read. I love to to uh, to spend time with a book. And I didn't really get that until I went off to college because uh, so much of the reading I had to do when I was younger was reading for school and and it was all boring. You know, all that, isn't that true? When you read for school, everything's boring. Uh, Mr. Edwards is back there shaking his head no. And as an educator, I can understand you saying that. Silas Marner is not something I can really you can really get into when you're a young teenager or a young person. Um, but uh, we had to, and, and the Scarlet Letter and all that kind of thing. Uh, I have a greater appreciation for them now. Uh, just, just so you know, I, I do have an enjoyment of, of books and reading. And uh, as with books and movies, uh, what is typically done is is that the either the film writer or the or the author of the book will begin to set you uh, uh, begin the book with a premise or a, it'll begin with a set of circumstances. Sometimes uh, those circumstances are uh, just simply dressing the scene, helping you to understand uh, where the story begins to take place, when the story takes place, under what circumstances the story is happening, whether it's at the beach. Uh, in New England where uh, everybody's come for the summer and and all of a sudden there's a possibility of a monster shark being in the waters as in Jaws or, or whether it's in uh, uh, over in Egypt or in uh, the Far East where uh, someone's looking for sunken treasures, buried treasures uh, uh, in the sand and, and covered up by uh, the passage of time. Or if it's out on the ocean in a, in a boat with pirates or whatever it might be, they begin the story by helping you to understand some of the, the time frame, some of the circumstances, and then, boom, they hit you with... Uh, the main problem, the main problem, or the uh, and you know I'm simplifying this. It, they hit you with the the circumstance that that is going to carry the the theme, the trope that's going to carry throughout the whole book or the whole movie. And uh, Paul does that in the book of Romans. He begins the book with uh, greetings and salutations. You have to remember also 
Again, what I told you about the book of Romans, the book of Romans is a, is a letter. It begins out as a letter. It's a letter. It's not a book like we would read a book. But uh, Paul uh, begins the book of Romans as anyone would do as a letter to those that he cares about, to those that he uh, has feelings for. He uh, covers all of that in the first verses of uh, Romans chapter 1 and he tells who he is so that people who are reading this and and don't necessarily understand or know who Paul is get familiar with who Paul is and and why he's writing this. But Paul's writing this to the people of Rome because he loves them. He is a uh, Roman but he is also a uh, Israelite and he is a Pharisee and so he has a desire to share the gospel with people that he loves. But he hasn't had that opportunity since coming to know Jesus as uh, what we would say is knowing Jesus as his Lord and Savior. That encounter with Jesus uh, on the road to Damascus. And so here Paul is. He's, he greets everyone. And let's jump down to verse 18. And he begins to share the circumstances of why he's writing the book. And, and I want you to listen clearly because Paul is writing this not to just the people of Rome. Uh, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this in such a way that this could be a letter to you. It could be a letter to me. It could be, uh, it could be a letter to anyone. And uh, uh, so... Uh, Paul, in verse 16, he says that, you know, that verse that, that everyone uh, memorizes, he says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and to the, uh, uh, also to the Greek. So Paul here is, is, has, right from the start, bam, he lays it out there. He says, I'm a Christian. I, I, don't, I, I love the plan of salvation that God has given. He's given it. He gave it first to the Jewish people and now he is presenting it to the Gentiles. And, and remember, just about everybody that is reading this is a Gentile, but there could have been other Jews that were born into exile in Rome. And so... Paul is saying this is for everybody. It's not just for Jewish people. It's for everyone. Verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is received from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So Paul begins... uh, by saying that he is not ashamed of the gospel. And here's why he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He says, it's, uh, it, the gospel demonstrates God's righteousness in verse 17, and it's revealed to us in, in faith. It is revealed from faith to faith, he says, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So he says, uh, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodly. So Paul is saying, the reason God provides salvation is because God is righteous and not only is God righteous but God cannot abide by unrighteousness and he says and here's how you know you have unrighteousness he says because God demonstrates that he gives he gives us an understanding of our unrighteousness and he says all men have unrighteousness within them because and God uh, they know that because God uh, uh he uh, he reveals that to mankind. He says the way that you know that you are unrighteous, it 
can't, you know, I hear people talk about how, uh, you know, saying that everybody needs to get saved, that's not fair because uh, uh, what about people that are in remote villages and people that are uh, cut off from the world? They just don't know about uh, God. They don't know about Jesus dying on the cross. How can we say that they have to get saved too? Here's what Paul says. He says, uh, they don't have an excuse. No one has an excuse because God reveals it to us and God tells us what the truth is and He embeds that within our heart. He says He tells us the truth of unrighteousness. He tells us that, God, look, no one has an excuse for the fact that they are unaware of the fact that, of doing right and wrong. Because why? Because God tells us what righteousness is. He tells us how we are to live righteously. It's an unwritten law. It's, a, it's something deep down inside of us that all of us know that it's, it's, it's wrong to go bash somebody up against the head and take what they have and run off with it. We know that. We, and that's why even people who've never been told that they're not to do that kind of thing, they, you know they know it's wrong because why? Because they, before they get ready to do it, they do this. They look to see if anybody's looking, and then they do what they uh, do. That it's the same way. My dad used to work in loss prevention in a department store, and he said you can tell when someone's about to to steal. He said, and his job was he would he had, he watched all those cameras that are in department stores, and he would see on this bank of of all these different monitors, he could see what everybody was doing in the store, and his job was to start recording when somebody was about to steal and I said dad how can you tell somebody's about to do that and he says because they get real nervous they get they start looking around to see if there's anybody looking they they're they walk around whatever they're going to steal a hundred times why they're telling they're they're justifying in their mind why they're about to steal this and they're and they're walking around it getting up their courage why because they know instinctively they're not supposed to be doing that and god tells us look nobody has to tell you it's wrong to cheat on your spouse you already know it within your heart nobody has to tell you it's wrong to speed down the highway why because you don't have to have the highway patrol or or anyone sitting there to tell you it's wrong with the flashing lights you know down in your heart it's wrong you know that already and and paul says god put that in your heart so you would know from the very beginning what his expectation is, is of righteousness and he says um God is against unrighteousness. He is against sinfulness. And He plants within our heart an understanding of knowing what that unrighteousness is. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, verse 19, for God has showed it unto them. Nobody has an excuse. Nobody has... And and this is the big dilemma that Paul is setting forth. All of us are sinful. All of us have sin within our heart and life. All of us have uh, that unrighteousness within us and we have no excuse for for it. You know how... um, uh, 
recently we had some damage with uh, uh, lightning and everything, and uh, uh, several things got damaged by the lightning, and and we're having to replace the computer. We're replacing uh, uh, breakers on the electricity. We're replacing equipment and things because of the damage done, and the reason that uh, and we're making a claim on our insurance to cover all that damage. Now we couldn't just say, hey, you know, I'd really like to have a new media projector. Let's just say that that the lightning hit it and we'll make a claim uh, against our insurance and we'll get a new uh, piece of equipment. We know we can't do that. Why? Because it's wrong. There wasn't any, the insurance company didn't have to come and say, uh, now make sure that you show us that it got damaged and that it it's... Uh, well, they might do that in some cases, but... Uh, Right, Ms. Wanda? I mean, they might, they might go and check on some things, but we know that we can't make those kind of claims. Why? Because we know it's wrong. It's, it's deep down in our heart. We know we can't do those things because it's wrong. It's the wrong thing to make those kind of uh, things because God put it within us. And God put it within our heart to know that there are certain right things and there's wrong things, and God showed it to us the right way to live. Verse 20, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Paul says, look, nobody has an excuse as saying, well, I just didn't know. I wasn't aware. I didn't know it was wrong to do that. No, we're all without excuse. Why? Because God put it within our hearts to know right from wrong. And not only that, to know the standard that God has for us, to know the righteousness of God, to know the expectation of God. We know from the very beginning that God expects us to uh, live in a certain way. Why? Because God, from the creation of the world, it's clearly seen. It's clearly made manifest. It is clearly made known to us who God is, that there is one greater than us, that He is God, that He is our Creator, that He is righteous, that He expects us to live righteously. And so none of us have an excuse. We're all without excuse. We know right from wrong, and we also know that we've done wrong. Now, is there anybody here, just raise your hand, that has lived a whole life and not done anything wrong? Just raise your hand. Raise your hand. None of us can say that, right? Because we all know that from time to time we've done something wrong. Even when we're little, we know that we've done wrong. Why? Because our mama and daddies put us over our, uh, their knee and, and warmed our behind. Why? Because we did something wrong. And we know it's wrong because we've been told that we were wrong. But we didn't have to be told. Paul says we didn't have to have the, uh, our parents uh, spank us to know it was wrong. We knew it was wrong. Verse 21, Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him, and as God, uh, not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their ungodly, uh, in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. He said, look, it's not even as bad as just simply that we know that we've done wrong and we, uh, that we all have done wrong. He says, not only that, but mankind has also, this is 
adding to the plot. This is adding to the dilemma. Not only are we, we have, done, have we done wrong, and not only did we know it and not have an excuse, but we also turned away from God and we continue to do wrong. We continue to do those things uh, that are not pleasing to God and we began to uh, allow ourselves to have our hearts darkened. Paul says also, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like uh, to, incorrupt, uh, to the corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed uh, beasts and creeping things. So he says, look, it's gotten even worse than that. Not only did we know we were doing wrong and allowed ourselves to continue in that wrong behavior and began to to uh, he said. Uh, to uh, have our hearts darkened, but he said, look, mankind also told themselves, and you hear it today, today, to even to this day, they convinced themselves that they were smart, that they were wise, that we didn't have to... uh, And you hear people talk this way even to this day. Uh, They say, you know, religion is for just people that aren't aren't smart. They're just not intelligent. When you become intelligent, when you understand things, you put aside all those mystical beliefs and all those things that you used to cling to because you couldn't understand the world. But once you get science, once you understand uh, science and nature, you understand the truth. And you can just put aside all of that because you're smarter. And Paul says in verse 22, he says, Look, uh, they not only uh, allow themselves to grow darker in their sin, but he said they fooled themselves into believing they were wise. And in their wisdom, in their saying that they were wise, they became fools. And they began to walk away from the things of God and began to worship uh, all kinds of things. And you see that to this day. There are people who, who uh, they... You can, you can, if you get, if you take a, uh, uh, eagle's nest and you go in, you know, it's a wonderful thing with the internet being able to watch these eagles, uh, being hatched and everything. Who, uh, if you, it, there's web pages you can go and you just sit there and watch them feed their babies and all that kind of thing. You watch them as they grow and as they learn how to fly and everything. And as they go off, mama goes off and, finds things for them to eat and brings it back and all that kind of thing. It's just a wonderful thing, isn't it? Uh, well, if you were to, to find out where that eagle's nest was and you were to go out there and you say, you know, I'd really like to have one of those eagle, little baby eagles in my room. And you went up there and you, you disturbed the nest and you took one of those eagles, baby eagles, while the mama was away and you took them back to your house and you put it in your house and you didn't take care of it like you're supposed to because it was more work than you thought it was going to be and all of a sudden that eagle died. Guess what? You could go to jail for stealing that eagle out of the nest. You could go to jail for killing that mama eagle that came back to try and protect that little baby. You You could have serious punishment. Why? Because eagles are protected animals. But isn't it an amazing thing that you go to jail for that, but, uh, but a woman could go out and get uh, an abortion and kill her own baby? 
without having anyone say anything bad about it, without anybody sending her to jail or convicting her of crime, without anybody doing anything. Uh, And that turning away from what is right and justice and just and righteousness of God to the dark things of this world is symptomatic in that kind of thing. We've turned to worshiping the creation of the animals and the birds and and, uh, baby seals and a little turtles and things like that. I I love all those animals and all that kind of thing. Love seeing them in the zoo, but I'm not going to worship them and I'm not going to... And I don't think it's right that we place them higher than the value of of human life. And and I I certainly don't want to sit there and and devote all my time and energy to helping uh, puppies in, in Mitchell County uh, uh, make sure they have uh, a uh, home and make sure they have food and place higher priority on a pu- little puppy than I do in my relationship to God. Now, I'm, I can go and spend time taking care of puppies and making sure I take care of them, but I, but I need to put that in proper perspective of worship God first, take care of His creation second. God, worship of God, primary in my life, Make sure that I care for those that God has created. All of God's creation, second. You see, that's the proper placement. But so many people have gotten away from worshiping God and gotten away from making sure that their relationship to God is first in their life that they begin to take... uh, They allow their job, they allow money, they allow their stocks, their home, uh, their car, whatever it is, to become their God. Why? Because they... uh, their car is not going to ask of them to to uh, uh, to give their heart and life to that car. They willingly give their heart and life to that car, but that car is just a thing, and they can. That car is not going to tell them they're not allowed to go and sin, like God is. So they would much rather worship that car, that that boat, that bass fish, or or whatever it is that they spend more time doing than worship of God. And so. Uh, God say, uh, Paul says uh, and shares what God tells us. He said, God also gave them up. Look, verse 24. Not only did they exchange the glory of God for the glory of God's creation, but, they, uh, but God also gave them up, gave them over to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts, to uh, dishonor their own bodies between themselves. And so he says, not only... And this is the progression. We know what's right in our heart and life, and we've done wrong. Then second step is we begin to turn dark and allow our, our sins to take control of our life. Then thirdly, we turn away from God. Then fourth, God turns us over to our own reprobate mind. He says, uh, "These your, your sinfulness is taking control. That sin is just eating you up to the point where God just says, look, I've pursued them, I've tried everything I can, and they're continuing in their sin. And God turns them over. God, God said, look... God has turned them over and here's how, how they have what their life is like without the influence of God. 
Verse 27, And likewise also men leaving the natural use of women burned with their, in their lust toward one another, men with uh, men working uh, that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient being filled with all unrighteousness and fornication and wickedness and covetousness and maliceness, yeah, full of envy, murder, debate, uh, deceit, and mal- uh, malady and whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, uh, disobedient to parents, without understanding, uh, covenant breakers, without natural affections, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, they which commit such things were worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. He said, look, here's the thing. All of these people that are doing all these things, they they progress to the point where God just says, "Look, if that's what you want, then that's what you'll get. That's what you'll do. This is this is life without the influence of God." God says, "I'm going to just turn you over to these things," and He gives a whole litany, a whole list of things that that happens. Uh, they begin to be backbiters and haters of God. They're proud and they're boasters and vengeful uh, and. Uh, inventors of evil things. They are disobedient. You know, notice that, young children. Being disobedient to your parents is in the same list with uh, covetousness and lasciviousness and en- uh, envy and murder and debate. It, it's right there in there with that. Why? Because all of those things are a symptom of the whole problem of the sin that is in mankind. He says... Uh, and look at, at Paul's final message about this. Who They knew the judgment of God in spite of the fact that we knew what was wrong, we knew what was coming because of all that evil within us. Uh, those which committed those things did those things and it's worthy of death. And so this is the big uh, build-up this is the crescendo, and what you want in a in a good novel or a good movie is is a crescendo or an apex to the movie of how everything is going wrong and everything is going in the wrong direction. And in a moment in the book or in a moment in the movie, you'll see the hero come. And that's what Paul's doing. He's building it all up for us to understand the plight that we're in of all the evil and all and look. Uh, He says, we're worthy of death. Why? Because Paul, uh, you know, uh, understands that uh, the wages of sin is death. He understands all that, but he's getting ready to share the gift of God, isn't he? He's getting ready to show how we are so... We are so unable to take care of our situation because of the sin that's there. Even going into chapter 2, he says, we're inexcusable for what we've done and we're about to receive the judgment of God. But we're about to see that God's judgment also brings His grace. We've gotten a bad deal in that we are 
uh, in a bad situation with our sin. We, we're, we've, we've bought it hook, line, and sinker. We've, it, we're like the people going to the car dealership. And we, we found the perfect car, but the salesman, he, said, he pulled us over. Now, I'm not vilifying all salespeople at, at car dealerships, but we're like, it's like we've gone to the worst car dealership in the world and we, they have that beautiful car that everybody wants to buy and you've gone ready to buy that, that sensible, nice, wonderful car that's got a little bit of power and, and a little bit of uh, sportiness to it to make you feel good about your purchase, but it's, it's dependable, it's a good, solid car. But the salesman, old Satan, he's pulled you over to the side and says, Hey, look at this. It's shiny. It's pretty. It's red. But, it's, but he didn't tell us it was a lemon. He didn't tell us that it was the worst, that we probably needed to get it towed off the lot instead of driving it off the lot. We've gotten the worst deal with sin. We, we've gotten deceived by ourselves, and we got to looking at that pretty red car instead of the one that's sensible. And, we're, we don't, and we've bought into the worst deal possible. Our sin. And we're in such despair. But God is, is on the verge of sharing with us His plan. Remember, Paul talks about, he started this saying, this is the story of salvation. This is, this is what salvation is. And so he's helping us to understand our, how desperate we are for a Savior. How desperate we need to be redeemed. How desperate it is that we're, we're in a spot where we can't, Indiana Jones ain't going to come and take us out. We're not going to be able to whip out the whip and, and, and wrap it around a tree or something and, and escape at the last second. We're in a dire spot and we're about to be crushed by our own sin. And not only are we about to be crushed, we're enjoying it because we've deceived ourselves. We're enjoying it because we've just bought into a hook, line, and sinker. And so, like a good book and like a good movie, I'm going to leave you with a cliffhanger. We're about to see how we're in such desperate... It's like, like those old-timey movies where the, where the damsel in distress has been uh, kidnapped by the evil banker and he's just twirling his mustache and, and he's got her all tied up and he's got her laying across the, the tracks and the, and the train's coming. He's ba- the train's barreling down. Why didn't the train just stop? You know, but anyway, uh, the train's barreling down the tracks and, and about to just uh, uh, take out that, that pretty damsel that's been tied up because she won't uh, turn over the property to the bank. And the movie stops right as the train's approaching. That's the cliffhanger. And we're going to see what God does about providing salvation the next time. When we come together, when we come and look. But look, you need to understand. Paul said, look, he said it before we even got into it. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. This is, God, this is God's plan, this God, the gospel. It's God's good news. That's what gospel means. The good news of what God has for us. And it looks all bleak and it looks all murky right now. How's this good news? Why? Because He's going to tell you where you're at. It's like, hey, did you realize you're in quicksand? 
Did you know you're sinking and it's coming up to your chin and and you're about to to sink all the way into the quicksand? Paul's trying to help us to understand the dire position we're in before he helps to help us to understand what God did for us. But what you need to know is is that even today, before we even go any further, that God's not going to leave you there. God, look at look at all the things that God did. In spite of our we were unrighteous. But God showed us from the very beginning His righteousness. He he showed us from the very beginning His desire for us. He showed us from the very... He put down... Look, look at God's love throughout this whole thing. And even though man has been moving further and further away, mankind has been denying God, has been moving in their sin, has been delighting in the sin, moving into all of these other things, God, every step of the way, has been demonstrating His love by showing us what we've done wrong. If He didn't love us, he wouldn't have told us that what the wrong that we were doing. If he didn't love us, he wouldn't have embedded within us an understanding of the truth. He wouldn't put within our heart an understanding of the fact that we needed to be right with God. Why? So we could have a relationship with God. He he put within us a desire to be righteous. He put within us an understanding that we needed to grow closer to Him. And all through, in spite of all the things that we're doing, look, God pursued us even though we kept going further and further away. God was always there. You know, one of the hardest things that I had to do as a dog owner. I, I, I had Rottweilers when I was young. And those big, mean dogs, I tell you what, they were big, huge dogs. They weren't mean. They were just mean towards those people that they didn't know. And one of the things that I, had, I was taught as, at a very young age about my relationship to my dog was is that my dog had to understand who I was had to understand when I was ready to go that he needed to come be with me. The trainer told me, he said, look, you, you can let your dog run out in the, in the park or in the field. Not, don't worry about a thing. Why? He said, uh, and he said, as long as you're going along and you're, you're going with the dog, that dog's going to keep on going. Keep on going further. He said, the first mistake uh, home... Uh, pet owners have when a dog runs away is to chase after them. Why? Because they think they're playing. They think that you're playing. And they think, well, if my owner's running this way, I can keep running further. Right? Said the way you teach a dog to come be with you is turn the opposite direction. Start walking. That way the dog knows that they, hey, I can't go any further. I need to turn around and come back to be with my master. That's what God did. Because He loved us so much and wanted us to be with Him, He turned and let man go his own way to help him to understand that he needed to turn around and come back to Him. See, even in God turning them... uh, uh, When Paul says when He turned man over to His own reprobate ways, that was God showing His love to us, trying to get us to come back to Him. Why? Because if God kept on going along with us, we would have thought, hey... Just like that dog. I can keep going. I can keep going. But God turned around and said, hey, that's not the right way to go. If you want to be with me, you need to come back. That's a demonstration of God's love. Okay, so now we've seen God's love and God loving us so much. Next, we're going to see God's grace. That's the deal breaker. We might have gotten a bad deal with our sin. 
and we might have bitten into the uh, to buying that lemon, but God's about to say, He's about to wipe the slate clean. He's demonstrated to us His love. Now He's going to show us how He's going to do that to bring us back to a right relationship to Him.